And now, live from StarWorldWideNetworks.com, welcome to Marketing Money Mindset, bringing you interesting true stories on how clever marketing ideas create money opportunities with a conscious mindset producing impact and success. Together, lover of marketing, Elisa Sparks Lane from the Ellen Sparks Agency, and the man from Mars, business and life coach, Brian Wood, share their experiences on how success is so much more than creating cash flow. True success comes when you nurture your business, body, and brain in order to get the most out of your business and in life. Now, join the dynamic duo on our journey to success. Ready, set, listen. Laughing at Brian. That whole dynamic duo thing, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm like just, that. <laughs> yeah it's just, it's awesome. So. Yes, I'll drive the car though. I want to be the driver. You're like, uh, <laughs> you're, you're not even Robin. You're like, oh. you're like Alfred's mistress. That's, that's oh the my way. gosh, I have to be the mistress. But I can't even any, be the wife. Anyway, that's just rude. It is, uh, it is a great I'm intro, telling. and I like that. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> that always, always makes me laugh. Sweet. Well, today we have some amazing people on the show. We have, um, and it's a. We're actually going to focus on giving back, which is one of my favorite topics. And we have Jen Kay. Um, I met Jen, gosh, I want to say like maybe five, six years ago. It could have been longer, but we won't say that. And you did something fantastic with me at the time. I don't even know if you remembered. It was body talk. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So do you still do that? I don't. You don't do body talk. But that's something that I was telling Brian. And he's like, what are you talking about? Just give us a little. Sure. So body talk is actually, it's a natural healing system uh, where you're learning how to understand how the different systems of the body connect. So my specialty is communication Mm. and from the inside out. So if you've got an actual system to check and see what your body's doing, how it's relating, where it's miscommunicating, and you can connect those, you can actually access healing and health. Wow. Which, when you have that, then your external communication improves as well. So, is that part, Jen? Is part of that just like controlling the thoughts that you put into your into your mind, or is that something completely different? That's something completely okay. different. All right. Yeah, body talk is actually a system that was created. Okay. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Wow. But now you're on to head-on communications. So this is where you're traveling. Can we say the country? Is this something that's even further out, or sure, and even the further galaxy? out? So the galaxy. <laughs> The dynamic duo (laughs) in from in from intergalactic travels. Yeah. Yeah. So my background is in wellness and that's really where I started. And as I was developing my wellness practice, I simply put out an intention or a prayer to help more people. And six weeks later, I was in a head on collision. It wasn't quite what I thought was the path to get there. And I don't believe in accidents. Mm -hmm. So it was funny because that was an accident. Supposedly, well, it's not. It's not funny. Accidents. No, it's funny. not funny. I'm well, you'll actually never hear me say that I was in a car accident. And Brian, to your question earlier of you know your mindset. Mm-hmm. So my wellness practice was all based on intention, and I had started that theory and philosophy of how you access communication from the inside out, and what are we really paying attention to? Because most of us look at the outside in. You know, even in marketing, we start well, who's your competition and what's your target market, as if people are targets. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, so for me, I've always sort of backed up into it and looked, said, well, what's a root cause? So, <clears throat> excuse me, my wellness practice was growing and it was all based around intention. And when I was in the hospital lying there and it, it was, I had a lovely two week stay at Scottsdale uh, 
at, at, at Scottsdale Healthcare, and a couple of surgeries. And I was, I was there lying in my bed, and I said, well, what happened? And the first comment was, oh, honey, you were in a terrible car accident. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you're in an accident that makes you a victim. Right. And that's not what I'm I'm like, no, 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 what happened? And they said, okay, you were hit by a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. And again, that makes me a victim. So I'm sitting there going, no, what happened? And at this point, they're probably looking at me going, is the morphine not working mm. for you, lady? Like, which part of this do you not get? Right. And they said, you were in a head-on collision. And so for me, I said, oh, well, wait a minute, that's factual. That's just what happened, mm-hmm. right? And so I can, I can take that. I can take responsibility for the fact that I might not know why this happened or what the purpose is. And those are just the facts. And it was from that that people actually started approaching me to uh, do consulting and coaching and speaking. So head-on communications really was born. Got it. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's, that's really where it came from because we use language so loosely yeah. in, a, in our everyday-to-day interactions, except when you're intentional about it, you go, okay, I'm going to stop pretending and I'm going to face things head on, which is perfectly in alignment with my values. Okay, like, now I'm in that, love with that that's name. That's fascinating. <laughs> that, that, that whole approach is fascinating, that I'm not a victim. I don't care what you told me. I don't care how much morphine you give me. I'm not a victim. You're saying that, okay, I'm a survivor. Now I'm a coach. Now I'm a speaker. I mean, there's a complete different dynamic just by the language. That's fascinating. Okay, so this is really unusual because our other guest today is Wayne Rarington. And I believe when we met... There was a possibility that there was an accident, but I don't want to say accident. No. There was a car accident. No, there was something that happened and you were out of commission for a little bit. Now I'm totally feeling like a liar. No, no, that was it. Uh, I did have a a car collision. There you go. (laughs) Nice work. That's right. And you were um, in the process of also doing a lot of good in the area. And you also have a company called lostmoney.com. Right. Yeah, we Tell could, us a little bit about that. Uh, I founded it in uh, 1996, and it was the first internet side of the investigative work I'd been doing for decades, and that was helping people recover money, uh, unclaimed property. And uh, I feel truly blessed. It was one of those things of, I just came up with a name in 1996, <coughs> lost money, and I had no clue that it would become uh, the number one recognized uh, phrase in, in the United States for unclaimed property. Mm. So uh, over the course of the uh, past 20 years, uh, lost money has recovered hundreds of millions of dollars for uh, consumers. And I do that as a pay-it-forward process, so there's no charge to consumers. And uh, similar type of situation is as things are happening, people are always questioning, well, why can't I pay you? I, you know, I, I just collected $10,000. Let me send you a check. And I'm like, no, that's not the way it works. Just uh, it's all free. And then finally, I got to the point where it's, you know what? If you really, really want to send in a check, send it to your charity. Wow. You know, pick a charity. Mm-hmm. And the next thing we know, uh, over the course of uh, three, four years, as we started to track it, we found that uh, they're donating five to six million a year. So this added up really fast, and, and I realized this is really the, uh, the future of lost money is to really not only be of service to people, but also to turn around and fund charities, grassroots organizations, etc. Wow. wow. So Are there, there any charities involved right now that we would know in the area? Sure. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, um, a little mic check there. You know, we, <laughs> charities like uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society last year, uh, we helped fund that. Uh, this year's um, project is Camp Soaring Eagle. Yeah. That's a small group uh, up north that I, I had the pl pleasure to be able to go up and meet with them and, and uh, look at the camp, uh, meet with the staff. Incredible organization mm. and so worthwhile. So, so, so Wayne, this, the uh, current structure now is still if you want to give to a charity, help yourself. If you don't want to give anything, don't give anything. Is that still? That's right. And it's wow. primarily because uh, my, uh, the demographics for my consumers – 33% of them live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So I really don't expect them to be able to cut a check for anything. I just want to make sure to help. As a matter of fact, many of those people are on welfare or government programs where we, we, we find twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 for them, and it changes their life. I mean, it's something that it now allows them to pick between the medication mm -hmm. and, and the, the food uh -huh. on the table. Uh, those are the folks that... The rest of us, 33%, uh, uh, are in the 170,000-plus income bracket. Those are the people that I really reach out to because they tell me what income areas they're in. And uh, we reach out to them and say, listen, uh, pick a charity, 10%, you know, 20 30 uh, As a matter of fact, the last radio show that we uh, did for nine weeks, specifically on fundraising, we found that some people were giving up to 50% of the money, which was just amazing. Wow. So, it's, once again, it's all a matter of being a grassroots, reaching out to your circle of influence. And the most important thing that I always try to tell people is, you know, seven out of ten adult Americans have a claim right now. And the average claim is $8,000 per family. So, you've, you've got to reach outside of yourself and not just look for yourself, but all of your family members. And we'll find the money for so, you. So, where is the money um, most commonly found, Wayne, where, where does it come from? It, uh, there's thousands of resources mm -hmm. um, or sources. They're, they're called uh, holders, trustees and mm -hmm. holders. And they can range from uh, the most commonly recognized are banks, insurance companies, uh, stocks and bonds, safety deposit boxes, mm -hmm. uh, utility deposits, paychecks, etc. A lot of those are the smaller ones. Somebody forgets their paycheck, they get their uh, paycheck, stick it in a drawer, just totally forget about it, and there's Two hundred, five hundred, seven hundred dollars, or more, or they get a uh, a refund on insurance. Same mm -hmm. thing. You, you stick it aside. You forget about it. It gets in a clump of papers, and the next thing you know, you, you just forget all about it. And that check, after a certain time period, depending on what state, gets ended up turning uh, turned over to the uh, state unclaimed property offices. So that oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So those are the most commonly mm -hmm. uh, known. Uh, the ones that we try to concentrate on after the fact are uh, primarily like insurance claims, oil and mineral interest, uh, retirement funds, things like that, because these are the larger dollar amounts that will never really be claimed. As a matter of fact, it's, it's estimated that somewhere around 80 to 85% of life insurance is never claimed. Is it because most people don't know they have that, or that, that's the right. family's just that's right. unaware? Um, you're... Uh, your grandfather uh, or your father had insurance, and uh, when he passed away, the, your mom knew that here's the policy, it's $250,000, and, and uh, so that was pretty clear-cut. What, what they forgot is when he went into a bank and opened a, a new bank account or he opened a new credit card, there's a little uh, check box on there saying, uh, hey, add accidental death or add uh, this oh, life policy. Wow. 
And those are the ones that are five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars that basically are never claimed. So it's a matter of when somebody passes away, and I deal with this all the time uh, with estates. Is the first thing you do is you look at the checkbook. You you look at their their uh, tax returns over the past uh, you know five six years and look for any of those deductions or any of those uh, payments that were made out to insurance companies, uh, uh, life insurance retirement funds, anything like that. I've got several other questions, but <laughs> one that comes to mind, does it ever, does the money ever expire? Well, uh, it's not supposed to. Okay. And unfortunately, it, the government is, uh, see, uh, unclaimed property originally uh, came about through what was called a sheeted estates. In Europe, if, if uh, the father at the castle passed away, if his son wasn't sitting next to him, on his deathbed, uh, the king would write in and, and they'd take all the, the property and it would a sheet to the crown. And um, which still goes on today, but uh, from my understanding, Prince Charles has set aside all the money coming in to charities now, which is very nice. But in the United States, when unclaimed property laws came into existence, you know, 50 plus years ago, it was the government saying, oh, wait a minute these things do exist and we need to protect the public which makes sense I mean that's how you got the bill through Congress was we got to protect the public and collect this money from the banks the insurance companies etc the problem was <clears throat> and, I, and I commonly refer to it this way is uh, he who has the gold does not want to give it up mm -hmm. so as soon as the states start, started collecting all this money in hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars all of a sudden, you know, the legislators are, are sitting there going, well, what, what do we do with this extra money sitting here? I mean, no one's claiming it. And so they started using it for general funds. As a matter of fact, unclaimed property is typically deposited into the general funds account of each okay. state. Wow. And they take a small portion and set up what's called a trust account to pay out claims. As an example, when I was collecting, when I started in this business in, uh, in geez, I don't even want to say that. That makes me too old. Uh, but let's say the 90s. So uh, when I started this business, I was uh, filing claims for millions of dollars. And we got into uh, a dispute with the state of Arizona as to the processing, how long it would take them, et cetera. And, and I ended up having to litigate. And during the litigation process, through discovery, I found out that their trust account was only $25,000. And that's because before I got involved, they had never paid out more than 25000 in an entire year. Mm. So that's why we were having delays, is because instead of just taking out of a trust account, now they were pulling back from the general fund, having to allocate funds from the general fund, which wasn't a good thing for them. Mm. So anyway, back to your question. Um, no, they do not expire. However, the way the government and the way the banks and insurance companies treat the funds, they already have expired. Mm -hmm. uh, some eight... Ten years ago, I was back in Washington and, and uh, working with the uh, Unclaimed Property Association and was dealing with the legislative efforts and, and uh, was helping draft legislation to get the money from the insurance companies. Because the insurance company's uh, big call to claim uh, with respect to unclaimed property is when you took out a life insurance policy, you typically would only list your beneficiary and that was like a name, you know, or what their relationship was. This is my daughter. Or... Susan or whatever. There was never any identification. There was never any uh, tracking or, or uh, dates of birth or addresses, etc. 
And what would happen is uh, the insurance companies were never turning that money over. And we approached them saying, listen, if you issued an, an insurance policy to a man that was 55 years old in 1950, and it's now 1990, he's dead. Let's just, let's just go with that, and you know you need to turn that money over. And finally they admitted it and uh, came forward and said, okay, they're going to start reporting. And I came back from Washington feeling all vindicated, and this is great, uh, this is amazing, We're, uh, we've achieved a major uh, goal here. And uh, the next year I was retained by uh, an insurance company to help uh, uh, build a new sales team for them. And they were expanding from like, uh, I think it was five sales reps to like 40 or 50, and I'm like, oh my mm. gosh, I mean, that's a huge increase. Why are you doing this? And, and uh, the owner of the business said, well, uh, it's because uh, insurance rates have dropped. Uh, all term policies, uh, the rates, if we had issued a policy to you 10 years ago, we actually can issue you a new policy today for less money. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, why did the rates drop? And he said, oh, the actuary tables were uh, updated. And I went, oh, my gosh. The insurance companies just issued themselves a 30-year interest-free $300 billion loan because basically by changing the actuary tables, saying that people were living longer, 20, 30 years old, uh, longer, that meant that they no longer had to report the money. So that was their answer to keeping the $300 billion, which is now, we, uh, we believe, is closer to $400 billion in unclaimed life insurance. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that's, that's the big money. Hmm. And, uh, and the other thing is also, uh, it's not just for you. I mean, if your great uncle passed away, and he never married, it goes through his family tree and then down. So it would go to you know, the brothers and then down the brothers' uh, family trees for their kids, grandkids, etc. So somebody is owed that money. It's a matter of tracking all the way back. So you have to do a little genealogy work, mm -hmm. and that's where we help consumers is help them put together that family tree and because there are uh, literally over 10,000 sources for unclaimed property, we use an algorithm that I've developed over the past 10 years that helps analyze family profiles and their family tree and decide where to look. Mm. Because to look through 10,000 sources is virtually impossible, and there's no single database in the world for unclaimed property. There never will be, mm -hmm. because they don't want to... They don't, don't want to make it, it that easy. No, right? they don't. But they, the, the easy part is coming to see you, right? And, and then they, going through the process, starting the process. Is that's that it. fair? They, okay. they have, How they have, do people find you? Because I think that's also part mm. of the mystery. Uh, uh, we're the number one name recognized in the country. As a matter of fact, the state of New York uh, renamed their website Lost Money because, or branded it Lost Money because we receive all the free traffic. We don't advertise for it. It's uh, literally millions. Of, we have 1.4 plus million active consumers in our base now. And uh, it just grows from there. And so, how large of a team do you have working on all oh, these projects? That, that's the problem. That's why we're going back. Because we've been self-funded and we've been doing this for over 10 years, uh, the resources have dwindled you know, dramatically. And so we have now uh, instituted um, a relationships with corporate folks and, and uh, with, our, uh, with the charitable organizations that we help to help it with our nonprofit to, to fund it. So we're, we're actually looking at hiring close to 300 people in the next year just to get to, because we're getting to the billion dollar mark now.
Now, is there, are you a nonprofit as well? Yes. Okay, so there's that division to it. So this is interesting because um, Jen K is also a part of 100 Women That Care. And this is a great organization that actually, I guess you can pitch your story to your, your events or your organization in a way. And the one that's chosen is the one that's receiving the funds. But I, I know you have a better way of explaining that. Sure. So 100 Women Who Care actually uh, started in 2006. Uh, by the, she was the former mayor of Jackson, Michigan, Karen Dunnigan. And she saw a need in the community uh, for cribs, actually, at the time, and, and was trying to figure out how to support the community. So she had a luncheon and invited 100 women and said, hey, there's this need in our community. How would you feel about basically writing a check for $100? And in one hour, $10,000 was raised, and she said, hey, wait a minute, maybe there's, there's something here. So currently, there's over 400 chapters worldwide, internationally, and we, um, I'm a member of 100 Women Who Care Valley of the Sun, and we're a unique chapter because we actually have three sister groups, one in Ahwatukee, Scottsdale, and uh, we just started in the West Valley. And how it works is when you're a member, there's no fee to be a member, uh, you commit for a year. And as a member, you then have the opportunity to nominate a charity that's near and dear to your heart. They need to be local, meaning throughout the Valley of the Sun. And once you have nominated that, we, they go through a vetting process. Uh, we do have a, a vetting process. And then once it's approved, it goes into the hat. So depending, we actually have it set up. So each one of the sister groups, uh, members of each group, well, I'm sorry, members are of the chapter but they belong to one of the three groups. They can belong to all three groups if they want. And so at each meeting, then we draw three names out of the hat. Uh, then that member who nominated the charity has an opportunity to present. They've got five minutes to tell their story, why it's meaningful. We actually recognized that that so much time was being taken up sharing the data. We actually created a system so that you could have the data in front of you, and yet the person presenting could actually share why that charity was meaningful. So it's much more about the story. You have much more of an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. You understand why it's important, and you can refer to the data. And then at the end of the presentations, all the women have a chance to ask mm -hmm. questions, and then that goes to a vote. And then the charity who receives the most votes, then the women do write a check directly to that charity. There's Very so nice. much amazing... <laughs> Like the vetting process alone it was perfect. And I mean, not only do you get to see the numbers, but you know it's been taken care of. Like you have a sheet on this information. It's a, it's a wonderful way to do it. And you meet quarterly, correct? Correct. So this is a $400 investment correct. that you're actually writing to the foundation itself. Yes. And what's neat, though, is you can join as an individual member, in which case you that would be $400 uh, a year. You can also join as teams of two, three, or four. Mm. So we want to make that accessible for you know, women who decide that's something that they want to do in partnership as part of a community, if they want their um, you know, teens or um, younger women to become involved. You know. And there is an extension for the men, I believe, right? Is there? So currently, 100 Women Who Care Valley of the Sun is for women. We've had many requests. Oh, could men join? Can you start another group? We are in full support of uh, men creating their own group. There are 100, uh, I think there's 50 guys who give a damn. Love that one. I think that's, that's in great. Canada, right? That is awesome. So <laughs> each chapter has its own unique identity. And, and those are in Canada. I think there's a guys group in the Cayman Islands. 
So, uh, so, so we haven't started that, and we would be fully supportive of, uh, of anyone who started a men's group, Wayne. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a couple Not of guys to, who give it you know, there was just a, just a here's, our beer, here's our beer money. There you go. And, and so That's you know, funny. Right? So yeah. you've, you've got these different, different energies and feels, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it, we're, it's all about people who have a heart for giving. You know, and, and we were pretty intentional in, in how we started the group and recognized that, I mean, this is not a networking group and it's not a, fill, it's, it's not a nonprofit. Well, it doesn't mean you can't network. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I met sh- some great women there. And it's so funny because the word network gets people yeah. all riled up. But it's definitely a place that you can meet and you're encouraged to actually meet someone that you haven't met before. Yes. So we've set it up so that uh, the meeting is once a quarter for one hour. And we do keep that. We're very respectful. It's for, it's for busy women who would love to be more involved, want to give more, and frankly just maybe don't have the time or the bandwidth, yet they want to be involved in a like-minded, like-hearted community. And so the hour previously, 5.30 to 6.30 for all of our uh, meetings, is social hour, networking, come, have a cocktail, have a snack, you know, sit down, connect with each other. And then we always try and have some type of activity so you're meeting someone new. Then we go to the, the hour. And then... We're still in the process of connecting people on social media. And, and so you have an opportunity to continue to get to know each member in your group. And uh, hopefully next year we'll have a chance to get all of the three groups together. We're going to have to take a quick break and uh, appreciate our sponsors here in a second. And when we get back, I just want to learn a little bit more and possibly even talk about ways of getting involved. You bet. Want to make sure your message is heard? Ring in the new year with Frame the Message, Inc. That's INK.com. Visuals are the wave of the future. They capture attention and help summarize large amounts of information quickly. Graphic recording has become one of the most popular tactics for mastering communication. Frame the Message, Inc. can create a colorful frame for your audience to interact with. Get your point across in ways that people will remember. Add a little extra jingle to your message this year with Frame the Message, Inc. That's INK.com. Are you known for skipping meals while on the go? Are you too busy to eat healthy? Does the thought of meal prep and food shopping leave you desiring a nap? Visit www.witnessingnature.net. Download the app and leave the healthy cooking to us. We provide organic food through personal chef services, meal plans, and cooking classes. Prepared at your home or delivered so you can spend time with your valued family and friends. Call Witnessing Nature and Food at 480-813-9065. It's what's in the food that matters. Eat organic. Welcome back to Marketing Money Mindset, the place where clever marketing, creating money, and the conscious mindset intersect. With your hosts, Elisa Sparks Lane and Brian Wood. Welcome back. We are discussing opportunities to give back with Jen Kay and Warren Warrington. And Jen Kay from Head on Collision, which I'm never going to forget now because I have the backstory. No kidding. Um, We were talking about 100 Women Who Care, Valley of the Sun in particular. And um, one of my favorite things that happened at the meeting was the fact that I got to learn about not only meet some great women, but I found out about charities that I never knew anything about or the fact that they were local. It was huge. And how many? I mean, we have so many in the Valley do you have a number on that or is it just over? 
No. It's I mean, insane. No, it's, I have no idea how many uh, nonprofits and charities are actually here in the Valley. And that's one of the, the joys of being a part of this organization is we do continually find out about charities we never heard of before. Like Lost Money. Like, like Lost Money. You hear things go. all the time. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, I have to say what's amazing about what you both do um, is the impact. And Wayne, when you look at, if you're going to donate to uh, an amazing organization like Camp Soaring Eagles, it's going to take you some effort and, and, and a, a lot of time versus checking in with you. It might just be that much easier. So I, I think that giving back component, what you deliver is just exceptional. I appreciate what you both do. That's an amazing story to me. So in order to get nominated, you do have to be a member. Is that correct? That's correct. And your commitment for membership, uh, we do ask for you to commit for a year. And can you be voted upon more than once a year? Like, can you do it twice in one year? <laughs> or is it once you win, you're good for that year, maybe next year? So once you, so, uh, once you receive the votes and uh, the monies involved, we actually take you out of the hat for the remainder of that year. Mm. So you can be nominated and chosen once a year. Now, what's really neat is with the three sister groups that we have, if... Uh, we have members in each group. So, for example, Singleton Moms. Uh, we had Great nominated our oh, wonderful organization. We had nominated in both our Scottsdale group and our Ahwatukee group. And so last, I forget which quarter off the top of my head, uh, for one quarter uh, they did receive the votes in our Scottsdale group. And then about nine months later, six, nine months later, they received the votes in our Ahwatukee group. So there's that right however for each group once you've received the the funds then then we do take your name out of the hat and you'll mm. be um, eligible the following year should that should that member choose to continue on mm -hmm. now i'm getting all curious so if there's a foundation that's locally here but they have possibly another location what happens in that or like let's say new york and arizona are they able to also pitch so to speak so that's a great question and Let's say we've got a national organization right, with a local, chap, you know, local mm -hmm. uh, affiliation. Uh, when a member nominates them, they have to show that the funds are going to stay local. Oh. So, for example, if I think it's JDRF has a camp that they do every summer, and uh, they do that up in, up in Prescott, and so when the member nominated them in our Awatuki group, when they received the funds that went directly towards uh, the getting the campers right the, the campers tuition to that summer camp here locally mm. so how do you find the time so you're running a business traveling i've seen you stroll in to meetings <laughs> with a camera in hand and just you know right off a plane that is true the beauty of our organization is we have an executive team. Uh, Kim Tarnopolsky, Stephanie Milner, Jacqueline Distromps, and uh, myself. And so none of us are doing anything alone. And we really lean into each other's strengths. We are in constant communication, keeping each other in the loop. Uh, we've recently had the opportunity recognizing that as we're moving into our third year, which I, I should say that when we started, we had... Um, our big, hairy, audacious goal, right, if you will, was, was that in five years, 
as an organization, we wanted to be able to donate half a million dollars throughout the Valley of the Sun to local charities. Wow. So we're, we're, we're just going into our third year, and we're in the process now of, of looking at, well, how do we reach more people? And, and we do have uh, corporate sponsorships. We do have matching funds. We're in the process of expanding our team. So back to that, where um, we have the opportunity, and Elisa, you've been so wonderful in looking at how do we expand you know, that and, and leverage the strengths maybe of some of our sponsors and the people that we have in our community so it isn't just any of us doing things ourselves. So if people want to get involved, there's a few ways. I mean, you can attend an event. You can become a, a member. Um, you can sponsor maybe even a bigger way. Um, what is the easiest way to find you? Is this socially? Is it online? Is it just going to an event? And how do you get on the mailing list? Sure. Thank you uh, for asking. So what I always recommend is to go to the website, which is 100, the number 100, 100, On our website, we have our upcoming meetings. Our next uh, quarterly meetings are uh, May 2nd in Ahwatukee, May 3rd in Scottsdale, and May 4th in the West Valley. Whether you choose to be a member or become a sponsor, we do suggest that the first thing you do before anything is to attend as a guest. We love having guests. We invite people to come as guests. Uh, In the West Valley, we're expanding. If you know anyone in the West Valley, be sure to let them know. And and, uh, to, to come as a guest and actually... See what it is, experience it, and decide first and foremost if that's in alignment you know, for you. Is it a great idea? Yes. Are people overcommitted and busy like you were talking about with me on the plane? Yes. And it's more important for us for it to be a right fit. And so to experience that either as a member or to come to a meeting as a guest and go, oh, wow, this is something I want to sponsor, mm-hmm. that's always the first step that we recommend. So you can find out a lot on our website. We have some great information. We have our, a list of our approved charities, so you can see who's already been approved. That's into the hat. We have ongoing impact statements of what's transpired over each quarter. We have how you connect, can connect with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, our upcoming meetings, and there's all the forms that you would need uh, to fill out, whether you wanted to be a member or a sponsor or as a new member uh, to nominate a charity and so on. So we've, we've tried to really make that a, a very friendly portal that information that's and where I would can you attend starting. all three in that same capacity sure before becoming a member sure okay absolutely can you go more than once without being a member oh as a guest mm-hmm. yes okay and so it's just and, great and, support oh sure and you can but you as, can't vote without so, being a so member. here yes and so even as a guest you may write a check ah. <laughs> so uh, what membership does is it allows you to nominate a charity and vote for a charity Perfect. That's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. It solves people with commitment issues. <laughs> There's that. No one here like Brian. Wow. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we like to joke. All right. So Wayne, when are we starting the, uh, the men that give a darn? Let's throw it out there because I think it's a great I, I, opportunity. I, what time is it? Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm thinking one o'clock works for me. Perfect. Ooh, I like that answer. Let's do it. Okay. So men are not allowed at the events, or are they? Has there been any men crashing the show? <laughs> hey, Wayne, this has got to happen. Yeah, I know. I, 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 actually, be really careful I'm, what I'm you're going to say. I'm feeling a here. challenge yeah. coming on here. Wayne, I've already got a list of women who would love that opportunity I can connect you with. <laughs> okay, let's, and, and let's they, do they've, this. And they've been asking. 
So, uh, so yes, we've had some, had some, uh, some men crash the party. My dad oh. actually was in town visiting one of the sweetest things. He came, and, of course, I had to ask him to behave. I'm like, Dad, you're around <laughs> over 100 beautiful women. So, you know, be appropriate. <laughs> he was delighted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the website. So, yeah. so, so, uh, so men, men may not become members, although... Um, I, I might be speaking out of turn, and I'll have to apologize to my executive team if that's the case. I, if, if men wanted to come and experience it and see what it was about, especially if they wanted to begin a group of men who give a damn here in <laughs> Phoenix by 1 o'clock this afternoon, Wayne, they, they, well, <laughs> we, we would already, be happy to have them. We already them. started the group. Brian and I yeah. are uh, right on there. And charter members, I think, Brian, uh, you know, what was their goal, 500,000 in three years? Oh. Why don't we just make that for, like, this next year? Wow. This Challenge. is how stuff happens here this is the giving back show i love it yeah and it starts like this i mean it's amazing how most things are done on napkins but we do it on the show i love it yeah i think it can happen it can and it will it just i ain't mad about that (laughs) no Mm -mm. not at all i like that story all right so i did have a question for you wayne and i've got lots Oh, you do? Okay, do. so what is an obstacle that some of the consumers uh, may come across when, when looking for their money? Is there anything that happens? There is, and that's part of the education. Besides the emotional piece. Right. Uh, it's the educational process. Everybody, uh, I'll go to a lunch, and, and there'll be th- uh, three people sitting at the table with me, and I can guarantee them I can find the money uh, by the end of the lunch type scenario. And they're now all you guarantee like, it. Is this anyone and everyone? Or yeah, is that's this because of the, the seven out of 10, it's actually closer to eight. It depends on, on each year, but uh, seven out of 10 people have money coming to them. Hmm. So it's easy enough for me to be able to run the search and show them their family members and they, Oh, that's my uncle Bob. That's my dad. That's my sister. Oh, there I am. And by the time you're done, you know, it adds up to $8,000. Um, so, the obstacle is getting people to uh, not listen to the propaganda that comes from the states and the banks and the insurance companies because the way they spin it is um, it's all small amounts. As a matter of fact, when I first got into this business, the amounts were published. Now they're no longer published because they don't want people to realize that they have 5000 coming to them. Mm-hmm. So they basically say... Uh, over $100 or under $100. Wow. And then a lot of the, the complaints I get from people, and, and this is even with attorneys that I deal with, is I give them their stack of claims, and I say, okay, here you go. you got eight claims. We found everything. You know, File them. And uh, I'll call them up a few weeks later. You get everything done? No, not yet. I've been busy. Another month goes by. It goes on and on, and the next thing I find out is they just got so busy, and they're like, well, I don't know how much, how much it is. Some states won't even tell them until they have filed the claim and have provided all the documentation as to who they are, et cetera. And um, that's frustrating, because if somebody's motivated by the dollar amount, uh, it's much better to know there's $50,000 mm-hmm. sitting there than $50. The next problem is, is when they uh, say under $100, a lot of people look at that and they go, no you know what, just forget it, I don't have the time to, to go through this. And I have to remind them that a good portion, at least half of those are, that are under $100 are dividends for something much larger. It may be oh. an $80 dividend for oh, wow. an $8,000 stock account that hasn't been reported yet. Because currently there's only $54 billion 
that's been reported to the state level out of one trillion that's available. So, um, so that's a problem. The, the other aspect, and, and this is really important for people to know, is search every variable of your name. Because by the time the money hits the unclaimed property offices, in most cases, it's been transcribed three, four times. So two, three, four different operators, data entry people have typed in those names. Uh, and what ends up happening is Brian is now spelled with an I versus a Y. Or Smith uh, is with a Y versus an I. Or Johnston without the T. Mm -hmm. Or it's missing the middle initial. Or the E turns into the middle initial E. John uh, E. Johnson turns into John F. Johnson. Mm -hmm. You have to search every variable you can and match it up the, the second way is with the addresses. So that's part of the process as we go through is we pull, we have over uh, it's somewhere around 8 billion records on the American consumers for uh, all their addresses and names and voter registration and car registrations yeah. and everything going back, you know, 20 some years. Mm. So that helps because the fact of when a lot of the people that we deal with, they, um, they go, well, I can't remember where my aunt lived. Well, we, we can pull up the aunt's name and, and have every address she lived in for 50 years. So, wow. so is that, is the amount, say there's $5,000, you go through the process, there's $5,000 out there, is that net or is that, oh, now you also have to pay uh, $4,000 in credit card bills or something? How does that all work? No, it's, it's, it's the dollar amount that's on there is what they get the check wow. for. Yeah. What's wow. the largest amount you've been able oh. to claim? For someone, uh, it was on our side uh, was nine hundred and ninety-eight thousand dollars. It was for a gentleman in in Florida. Uh, the investigator came into my office. And he said, I, "I think you're going to want to handle this personally." I'm like, "What?" And he shows me the file. I went, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, and I, I called him up, and and sure enough, he's, uh, his parents are billionaires, and they didn't track everything, and uh, this wasn't the first time he'd had claims or calls on him, et cetera. So. That was the largest. Now, the largest in the United States, which wasn't part of us, it actually um, the states sometimes do this uh, or attorneys will do this. Uh, the largest was $64 million. So, wow. and, and that was from somebody that had no clue the money was theirs. It was a niece, a, a great-grandniece or something, never, ever met the relative. And that relative had bought some initial stocks with AT&T and the railroads and things like this. And the next thing you know is those from 100 years ago are now worth Man. millions. So, so that, um, the one that you handled that was like 900, almost a million, yeah. how much did they give back? I'm just curious. Do you remember? Uh, no, and okay. that, I, that was before the, uh, the charitable portion okay. came in. Okay. Uh, and that's probably one of the reasons why I think it should have been. Mm -hmm. So... Mm. So, so why do you do this for free, Wayne? Um, it, it's a way to pay it forward. I was, I, I've been truly blessed in life in a lot of different ways. And uh, about 10 years ago, and, and looking at everything that was going on, I just thought, you know what, there, there has to be a way to give back. The other reason is the states, the insurance companies, the banks, all these holders that don't want to give it up, I have battled every media, every government agency. I've worked on their side. You know, I've worked on my side, worked with the insurance companies, the banks, et cetera. 
I just found that they don't want to give it back. And to me, that's just wrong. And for them to point the finger at me and say, hey, uh, listen, you don't need to go to Wayne. He charges 10% or he charges a fee. And finally, I said, if the fee's the problem, then we're going to get rid of the fee. I just threw up my hands. I had one claim for 60 some thousand dollars and it cost my agency, I, uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I think it was about 3,000 in, in expenses processes because uh, the husband and wife, we had to file, a, a, reopen the probate and do all sorts of things. Well, the state ended up sending them a letter uh, when they got their checks, with the checks, because we don't collect any of the money directly. And uh, the letter basically said, we, we've looked at these files and we believe that, uh, that this agency is operating illegally and therefore you shouldn't have to pay them. Well, what they meant, because finally the, the couple finally responded to me and they sent us a check for $500 because they didn't even want to pay. They were fearful that the government was coming down on them. What they meant was there was 11 claims that added up to the 60000 and one of the claims was within a, what's called a statutory um, hold period of one month. The, most states, or many states, tell you that you're not allowed by law to tell anybody, if you're going to collect a fee, that they have money coming from us. Meaning if the state of New Mexico has uh, you know, $10,000 for you, Brian, I can't tell you legally that that money exists until two years pass. Mm. Wow. It doesn't make much sense. Mm. Their claim is the reason to do that is so that they get a chance to return the money. Well, they don't. Their claim ratio still up until last year was 5 to 6%. That's the rate they return. So every $100 that they collect, they pay out 5 to 6. Mine is 94%. So 94 out of every 100 that we work on gets paid out. Um, anyway, so that was kind of the straw for me. When, when I read that letter, they, they were kind enough to send a copy of that letter, and I contacted the state, and I'm like, you are kidding me, right? I mean, how in the world could you do this? Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, well, one of those claims was only at uh, you know, 23 months. You, uh, you had one more month before you were supposed to tell them about it. So, man. And it all comes down to, they can't tell me that if I'm not charging a fee. Mm. So from now on, it's like, that was, I threw up my hands and I told everybody from now on, it's free. Wow. I don't care what we do, we get it back. I have a question for both of you. Um, what was something, and this is probably just an education for other people, like there's so much about giving back, but what was something that you can say, you know, really rewarded me from the opportunities <clears throat> that you've been able to expand on? So maybe the charities the um, people that you've touched, what was something that you can share with others as an example of all this that you can actually let them know? And either one of you, I think Wayne has something. Um, this is burned into my memory. One of the, uh, one of the women that uh, we filed claims for, it was, uh, it was over 60,000. 60, she was here in, in Phoenix, and um, her phone was disconnected, and I went to her door, and uh, the house was filled with newspapers. It almost was like a hoarder situation, and she had cats everywhere. And um, as I talked to her, I could tell that she wasn't, you know, 100% really grasping everything. We processed the claims, and instead of having it mailed out to her, I picked it up and went over to her house, 
asked her how she planned what she planned on doing and she just put the check down on the table along with all this other paperwork and I'm looking at these things where there's all the sales material and things that she'd purchased I said let's take a ride so I took her down to her bank and we met and I sat across and kind of gesturing to the the banker this is really uh, she really uh, has a situation where maybe you can help her pay her bills and he caught on to it and everything so they took the money and they put it into accounts that would pay all of her expenses every mm. month versus mm-hmm. her having her phone shut off mm. versus her uh, spending money on, on salesmen at the door etc and to, to this day I just remember that experience and going this is why this money has to get back to mm. people it's almost like taking that extra step mm. yeah most people miss that how about you Jen I love that story I was sitting here thinking, and I can't tell you how many times I've been moved to tears, either at a presentation uh, of, of the nomination, you know, the, when a member was presenting their charity for the nomination, when at, at each of our meetings we also allow the, the charity that received the donations from the previous quarter to come and share their story of someone that's been impacted, and as well as the check presentations themselves. And uh, so there were two that really, really impacted me. Um, one was YOPUS, uh, the YMCA in, in Ahwatukee, mm-hmm. as volunteers that uh, drive the elderly around and do what they need. And, and one of the, and my dad's aging, so there's something personal certainly there for me. And they came, and one of the, the elders had come and shared how meaningful it was. I'm just like, mm-hmm. you, you know, it, it was one of those moments of, I'm so grateful this organization and what we do and the lives we're able to impact and we've had experiences with teens and women recovering from cancer and the joy bus is another one that just they were able to open this, this the joy buses the joy bus oh the joy bus yeah oh just and the, so so the stories that mm. really touch your heart and knowing that that in some way shape or form we were part of a part of that experience of, of giving and them being able to make a bigger impact in the community oh. it's been a great pleasure to have you both on here and i commend you both and acknowledge you both for the contribution you're you're spreading out and you know the help that you're expanding so keep doing what you're doing um we'll share some more information about what's happening and these two organizations on our group page and please come back because i don't think we got to talk enough about communication the head-on the head-on communication anytime and thank you so much warren have a great week. Thank you, Thank you both. And we'll Thanks see you soon. Yeah.